Good evening and welcome to another episode of Slogging It. Um, tonight, the the interview, I think the, the three of us are so incredibly excited about this. We've been talking uh, to our guest off air for the last 15, 20 minutes and he's just incredibly, incredibly inspirational. Um, someone who's grown up living with autism now spends a huge amount of his time dedicating himself to um, volunteering, uh, improving the awareness of autism uh, through non-for-profit speaking, uh, released three books. Uh, just an absolute pleasure to welcome to the show uh, Andrew Edwards. How are you, Andrew? Uh, all matters considered, John, all mar- John Warborn, Eugene, marvellous, because the, the thing is, I think I can tell by that introduction, you've actually done your research, which a lot, of, which obviously was my role at Manchester United Television for the last half years, because not a lot of, one another podcast that did, they did it, but not everyone actually does it to take the, to take the time to actually, to research and, and take the time to look me up, which obviously I always highly encourage people to Google me. I Google myself most days, which is very, which is very egotistical, admittedly so. Egotistic, egotistical, admittedly so. But, but like I say, so so thank you very much. It's I don't want to sound very hyperbolic, but when you consider the other guests you've had pivotal to me and obviously after me, it's it's quite, it's a very interesting juxtaposition between me and them because they're a lot more well known and got a lot more what's well, status because what's status exactly but 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 they they're a lot more well known than me so I'm quite appreciate appreciate you wanting me on no absolutely brilliant um so just to let everybody listening know uh, with Andrew we will cover off his his love of the game uh, his previous work uh, obviously Laverde mentioned there his time at Manchester United which we'll come on to. Um, his volunteering work, the books that he's written, he, he's non-profit speaking, uh, and just basically, you know, just try and drive a bit more awareness of uh, autism, some of the mental challenges that that's brought to Andrew uh, throughout his life and how he's overcome them, uh, you know, spending his time, you know, it's not only back and chest waxes that he has at the gym, he does actually put some real time and effort in while he's there. I never used to go, I've never had one in the gym, although that would be very interesting, wouldn't it, John? I tend to, I tend, I, well, actually, like I was discussing, well, it's quite poignant, this story, to be honest. The last, well, actually... The one from last chest and back because I had was by my was given to be by my late mother, my late mother, the mother who passed away before Christmas, which I was, which I was labouring on off air, which I elaborate on for people who are listening on the podcast now. Like I say, that was nine days before she passed away. It was a very sudden passing. She she instigated my love of cricket by. In a very difficult time in her life, she just had a, a six-year-old autistic son trying to occupy them during the summer holidays, summer school holidays. So she put me in front of the BBC to watch the Wisden Trophy, the West Indies series of 1991. And, this, and I, I got captivated by the commentaries of Richie Benno. And that, like I say, the chest and back rocks and I was a very sudden passing. She used to go to the gym with me. With me and my sister, she'd be in the back of the car, my sister be driving, I'd be in the front. And she she went rain or shine four mornings a week since I joined number one HS number one HSP in Queen's Ferry, a non profit gym on the Welsh English border. And she it was so sudden, like six days before she passed, she was making a big fuss of my great niece, her great granddaughter, who was four months old, who was visiting from Wigan. Uh, but the thing was I, I, I've been told, I've been told by my mates, 
close mates. It's better the way she went, where everyone remembers the way she was, yeah. rather than drifting away, drifting away, becoming a shadow of the f- person she was. And also, I've been really touched by the outpouring from people the how much she was respected, how much she was appreciated, how much she was loved, really, not just by the by the by our close family, but well, just here next door to my nephew. But uh, the way she way she made an impact on people's lives and was never once seen, never forgotten, which is which is a character character trait that I've certainly inherited. So, like even my cricket club, church cricket club, some of them, most of them, didn't even meet her, but they but they knew of her, knew of her very much vicariously, and they have been very kind to agree to name the nets after her because growing up she was my net bowler. She'd bowl the, she'd bowl, she she'd bowl the, she'd bowl the, she'd bowl to me in the front and back garden, tennis ball, obviously. And bear in mind, she was pushing either side of 50 at the time. So she, so the ball would go on the garage roof. Wouldn't need, wouldn't need a, wouldn't need a ladder. Just jump up there and get it. And then come back down. <laughs> which, 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 bear in mind, she was a Latin American ballroom dancer in her youth. She represented Wales at the Albert Hall in the 60s. And then, she, then, then she sort of had a family. So, but uh, we're not, 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 I'm not, I'm not alluding to, I, I, I'm not alluding to me, or me, or Melanie so much. I'm alluding to, no. to the eldest, the eldest that we don't bother with. But, uh, but very much, very much, I, I'm the, I'm the, I'm, me and my, my, my sister Melanie lives next door and I love her very much. And my niece lives next door. My brother-in-law does. And my nephew grew up there. But very much, very much, I don't have a chest. Back to back to the original point, I don't have a chest back. I used to go to a beauty place in Wrexham next to the parish church where Elio Yale, the founder of Yale College, used to be buried. And Yale College in America. And... So that that was just an I joined now. So the gym, though, but like I say, about like John was, John was touching upon. It's certainly the gym is a big part of my life as well as cricket. To be honest, probably yeah, absolutely. cricket and the gym, cricket and the gym, and people in my life that I cared about, be it my, my close family or yeah. my mates and people that I, I that know me. They that's the biggest impact on my life, really. So. Uh, cricket and the gym will obviously come on to later. I want to. I just want to ask you something about your mum. Obviously, I mean, from, from you talking about her there, such a massively positive influence on you. And, you know, right from when you were diagnosed at the age of four with autism, uh, when it wasn't widely kind of recognised or people didn't know about it, she was absolutely yeah. determined to make sure that that wouldn't hold you back. Yes, very much so. Well, the specialist said, you've probably seen this where you've been researching me online, Jono, uh, was the specialist said to her rather cruelly and crassly and crudely, said, go home and watch Rain Man. It is likely your son will be institutionalised. I think, think we, I think me and me have proved him wrong. <laughs> but anyway, because that, yeah. that, 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 was, that was April 1989. Rain Man had just won the Academy Award about six weeks before. Six weeks before. So it's not, and but then growing up, people, two, I'd say two, 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 two items people associated with, or two 
programs on one movie, one television program, people associate with autism. One was one was Thomas the Tank because a lot of autistic people watch it because of the face. And the other one obviously was Rain Man, and Rain Man sort of followed me everywhere I went to the point now where I've got to the point now where I take ownership of that comment, so so, so to speak. But certainly now, like 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 John was saying off air, uh, the understanding or the understanding or awareness of the general public is far better than what it used to be. It's the services from the public sector that aren't as good. They have gone really bad over the years due to money and people making decisions that that really, really affect people's lives, where the, the services that used to be provided by social services, health boards, etc., 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 are now being provided by the third sector charities, uh, charities with autism but I still feel that there's very much a gap between people who are young and people who are adults like me where it's a lifelong condition as my mum always said you don't just stop being autistic when you're 25 or 19 or 21 and it's very much there seems to be awareness throughout, throughout from the general public but the services and a lot of the support just aren't there for people on service, and a lot of charities aren't there, certainly locally and regionally to myself. There's a very good one in the northeast I've sort of got involved with. We got we got involved with recently that do, do a lot for adults, but obviously that's far away. It's just I, I take part in a Zoom Zoom quiz, but Zoom Zoom quiz Zoom group chat every every Monday. But like I, I volunteered for an autistic charity. New Wrexham, and they were wonderful. They were, and my niece still works with them. Who's got my niece has got dyspraxia, lives next door. But pretty much, due to numbers, due to funding, they they tend to provide up for people who are the youngsters who are autistic under eighteen. Now, we need to find, or not as as a collective, but we as a society need to find supporting people that are autistic who are capable in life, articulate in life, and don't fall through the cracks in society, like I'd say, I'd say myself included, where, where people in life, they have the ability to try to pass a driving test, try to go on dates with people, where these sort of services and, services and support isn't really there for people, people who are autistic but are capable, emotionally capable, uh, academically and articulately capable. So it's it's like again, people who are old, older seem to be very severely autistic or severely autistic or severely handicapped, but there's not a lot of help nowadays, even that. But then who's to say in 15 years' time that won't be the case because certainly in the last... Oh, certainly since the millennium, there's been a big improvement with the the, the the public's awareness. So who's to say in 20 years' time, they won't be further, but probably for myself then, I'll be 56, so maybe a bit, <laughs> a bit old. But, 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 but generally, there's still work to be done. There's still work to be done. There'll always be work to be done because perfection doesn't exist. It's an illusion. Like people say about normal and, normal and safe and and 
so, such, so, such with, with the pandemic, well, normal doesn't exist, because what's, what's normal to one person? Well, normality doesn't exist, it's an illusion. I'd say permissible is the word term that, sh that should be used more. Safe, well, what's safe? Because what I find safe, John might not find safe. What Rob will find safe, me and John might not. New Gene as well. Well, what what is safe? That's a very, it's what it's what it's a loose term. It's, it's what's permissible, really. But like I say, with with, with the autism, the people out there, I think they need there needs to be more awareness of people who are autistic, who might just be a little bit eccentric, may have difficulties. But not as overt as someone like like people are called to say a lot. It's an it's, it's an invisible condition, but people who are who don't have it as overt as others. But certainly, we're looking at you should look at these people who could hopefully with the correct support, either from I'm very lucky to have my my sister next door, who who who, who, who sits next door after and she and she stays here at night along with my niece and comes in all the time. And I go in there all the time, have tea there, have, 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 have lunch there, and so forth. I'm lucky to have that support mechanism. I not most a lot of people with autism my age won't have that. But the thing is, we need to society needs to realise that people I don't say myself to be egotistical or big headed, but there's people out there like myself and thank you and that's why back to something we discussed off air, that's why I have found it so hard to find a relationship since I've been dating, which I was dating before the pandemic. I've been dating for about, oh, how long was it before the pandemic? I, I dated, I started my first date was in tw October 2018. So I was dating people for about 17 months before the pandemic. And I thought it'd be quite simple to find a relationship. But with my unique circumstances, my unique uh, dynamic at home, it's not as easy as you would think. But then I think the best scenario for me I found, which is which relates to what I've been talking about for the last few minutes, is very much someone with autism, dyspraxia, OCD, similar conditions, a, prob a girl with those similar conditions or similar difficulties or issues but etc etc you get the sentiments of expressing probably is that's the way to go where it's not as easy because there's people out there who are very good people but they just sort of slip through sort of just slip through and they might just have need support a bit more support from family being part-time work having a full-time work or and just it's, it's, it's like these people there's the people who are very severely handicapped there's the people who don't have disabilities and then there's people who are very intelligent very articulate able to express themselves potentially can drive like like i've been getting learning outside the pandemic i've been learning to drive for over a year with an in an automatic and and such matters have but but these are the people that seem to don't get say provided for seem to have the awareness about them regarding such matters with autism so it's, it's something that, that, that's probably the next stage, certainly. Yeah, um, you've, you've spoke about growing up and yeah. what, what you, how your mum tried to help you. How, how was sort of society as a whole towards you? Were they sort of, did you experience like bullying or, or were they uncertain yeah, around you? Or how, how yeah. was that? Yes, I did. I, I found in one school, 
I was allegedly tied up by the, by the staff for being the only child in the class who could speak. And another school, I was allegedly, I use this term very, 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 very loosely, in the loosest terms imaginable, allegedly beaten up by a member of staff who flipped and, and, and allegedly beat me up. And uh, we took police proceedings against So this was staff members, yeah, allegedly? Yeah, yes, yes, yes. One was when I was four, the first one, and one was when I was just just eight days before my 12th birthday. And now we took police proceedings again in the second instance, but by one, one of the the police authority that dealt with it, which wasn't Northwick, my local police authority, my police organ, they, it seemed that this person, and we, and we still have papers in Mars room, was allegedly on a police committee, allegedly, and we got a letter, to, allegedly, to back that up. So there was on other hand tactics. Fortunately, though, on a brighter note, my ma never let this get, get it, well, probably let it get her down some days during that period in the late 90s, but certainly she never let it beat her and defeat her. And, so, and we got a bit of recognition regarding that in a in a Criminal Injuries Compensation Authority board meeting in Liverpool. And a funny story about that. It was the day United won the treble, won in Barcelona yes. against Unis. And <laughs> I took half a day. I, it's in Liverpool, bear in mind, this was where I was. <laughs> I took half a day. I took, ha, I took a half day from my special school in Wrexham, where Alex Ferguson, so Alex Ferguson I eventually visited about two years later to open the new premises. And I went to Liverpool with United socks on. Thinking, oh my God, I don't feel good here. I don't feel good here. I was 14 at the time. So, but then I saw, gosh, it's day United in the Champions League final for the first time in 30, what, 31 years. And it was, it was a gentleman I saw with wearing United top, 90, 96 to 98 home top. Uh, and I felt a little bit better then. And obviously, I felt a bit better when my mum gave me the wonderful news that. That my claim had gone ahead, gone ahead, which obviously she, she she's got a bit of recognition that something had happened. It didn't say that that alleged member of staff was alleged that they were they were responsible for it, but something happened there. So that was something. That, and then after that, I went to I'm old. Oh, tell a great story. This is this is a story I tell a lot of people. Uh, after the second incident, alleged incident, I was out of school for 15 months. And the other incident, both of the instances were outside, well, were away from Wrexham. And uh, one was, the first one would have been in Wrexham, Wrexham County, would have been in the same county as Wrexham at the time, 1989, but not now. And one of them was, well, the thing is, Wrexham, there's 10 counties within 45 minutes drive of us. So, that doesn't narrow it down much, but the thing is, the second, the second one, I was, I was, I was, I was out, I was out of school for, I was out of school for fifteen months, and I was given a place to think first of a school in Exeter, a special school, but they wouldn't let me have the support that I wanted, that me and my, my and the family wanted, which was my brother-in-law. So, well, the school wanted it, but education wouldn't in Wrexham County. So what happened? Ma went to the went to the education offices in the middle of Wrexham. Is a is a director of education in? No, he's not. He's not in today. 
So she went on the phone to Melanie, said, bring, make sure to bring me some lunch, bring, bring me some food, get the local papers in, Melanie, get the local papers in, Mel. So what then she noticed, people went in there, it's the, local, it's the director of education, yeah, yeah, he's in there. So that's the staff members. So she memorised the code they were putting in, waited till no one was looking, tapped the code in, went in to see the director of education, gave my son a school, and he did. Wow. Yeah, and this was incredible. like this was like the beginning of this was like the beginning of 1998, and that's actually detailed in the memoir. It's like to think that my mother must have done that. It's just she, even though it's a very sudden passing, like like COP, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, urinary tract infection, and probably was sepsis in the end as well. And she tested positive for COVID, but it was very much. She's very active, even very active till, well, the week she passed away, very, very active. Like, she went to the gym with me, not that she went training because she had physical difficulties, but we thought she had another 15 years. Like, she was emotionally very active, very active emotionally. It was, it was, it was a shock, but it's like she she's just in the kitchen now waiting for me to come off this, but... Like she did during the first lockdown when I was on the Zoom with Church Cricket Club and the quiz, quizzes. But it's, I'd rather have been that way than been had fifteen years with with a chronic illness and just mm. like had terrible, terrible days yeah. where you see you see that per, you see that person you love slip away completely. And I I wouldn't have wanted that. And I think and the good thing is this is like nice nice poignant bit. As per the crest in a whale. She wants to have her ashes buried in the front garden. So I think that is lovely because with the best of intentions, I'm guessing the three of you have somewhere along the lines lost someone very dear to you, somewhere along the lines. Anyway, but with the best of intentions, you won't be visiting the cemetery every day to, to see your loved ones where I wouldn't have to do that. I would just have to look outside the window to where my mum where my mum is, where my mum will be when the weather gets better. Right next to the dog tree. We call it the dog tree because we planted it in memory of our, our dogs that we've had. And, and as actually stated in a will, I want to be have my ashes buried next to the dog tree in a will. That was very much my mother. She sounds like an true, truly inspirational uh, woman, Andrew, and, and the man that she she's you know, helped I, turn you into is fantastic. Mm. Okay. Well, I don't believe it. I don't like usually the term inspiration, especially when people use it about me. It doesn't actually make me comfortable. But certainly about me, ma, she was the personification of that. Unfortunately, and was doesn't seem quite right saying it. But like, I, like I always, I say to my sister, she hasn't died. She just passed away. She'll always live on somewhere along the lines, either with that plaque at Church Creek or the plaque at Wepper Park, or with the hundreds of people she must have, well, the people she's touched emotionally in her life. So yeah. I think it's pretty safe to say anyone that listens to this will be pretty inspired by her as well. Yes, I think that's, yeah, that's, yeah. that's a pretty safe yeah. comment. She was, she was, she was, I'd say, incredible lady, heroic, uh, bundle of energy, possibly even, although she probably wouldn't have liked this term, a force of nature. That's what my book publisher called her, and he only met her twice. The people that she met, they never, they never forgot her. They never, ever forgot her. I had people I worked with at Manchester United Television, people who were, Big mates of mine, but only met her once. And even my, 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 my best mate who I met at Manchester Television, through a love of county cricket, actually, he was he, he grew up in Nottingham, in West Bridgeford, and he grew up going to Trent Bridge with his dad. 
who is his dad was from Hull, but, but and, and Shaw, but Mike, Mike Shaw, Shaw was he was he was born in he was born in Hull, but moved to West Bridgeford, and then went to Manchester for uni at eighteen. And I met him at twenty one. I was twenty two, and we bonded over cricket, county cricket, in the summer of two thousand seven. The time that Lancashire should have won the county championship and didn't. <laughs> oh. Oh, was it 460 we were chasing on the last day of the Oval oh I oh, was terrible that but when we actually did win the county championship in 2011 after because it, even to the last day it looked like we had no chance to win it, no chance whatsoever Warwick should have had that game at the, in Southampton and Block and Key what, uh, Hampshire had followed on they'd been relegated and we were probably going to beat Somerset but that would be probably be to no avail. So anyway, the, the Hampshire Warwickshire game was live on Sky as as, the, as one of their county games of the season. Uh, Carberry and Mackenzie were putting on a big partnership, time-consuming partnership for Hampshire. And then Glenn Chappell was doing his heroic business for Lanks. And then Gary Keady affected a run out. And then you think, we're going to do it, we're going to do it. So when we actually got the winning runs, they actually moved, when we, towards the end, they moved away from the game at Southampton to, to one camera coverage at Taunton. And when we did it, I ran up the street and did a Ravinelli. So, <laughs> and that night, <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and that night, and that night, and that night, I took some blue tones in Liverpool. Sure, we eat there. I took some blue tones in Liverpool. So, I was going to say, Andrew, it sounds like cricket's been a huge inspiration to your life. Um, it sounds like something yes, yes, that you, you really enjoy and that you that you, you you embrace a lot. What has it brought to you personally? Well, in recent times, it's well, very recent times, it's brought an escape from the pandemic. If I'm looking at the BBC News app, this, that, and the other, Mark Drake for this, Mark Drake for that, Wales death rate, this death rate, that infection rate, this hospital admissions, and you think. I've had enough of this now. I'll put one of the cricket websites on. I'll put one of the cricket websites on. And you just say, it, it just brings an escape. Six, BBC Six Music does the same for me as well. And also, in recent times with the cricket, when I was looking for a club, a team to play for in late 2017 for the 2018 season, I came to, I, 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 was, I was looking on local club, local teams, and I had a choice of two, and I chose Chirk Seconds. Now, the reason I cho cho chose Chirk seconds was because they were having to, unfortunately having to concede matches due to lack of players. And I also did my research upon them and found they also had another player in the seconds who was autistic, uh, a, a girl. And the, the, there's other members of the girl's family that play with me as well. Her brother plays for me, a younger brother, and her dad plays for the first. But very much, and I did my research, I met the captain, Mr Skinner, Ian Skinner, and and he, and and we found we had a very much shared ethos of cricket regarding village cricket, where we want to win, but it's not the be all and end all. It's about enjoying ourselves and showing manners and all this sledging rubbish. Well, we'll leave that to the elite players because it or when it's your job, when it's your career, because. <laughs> Or, or even if you're at level below, say, national counties, as they call it now, or a top Premier League, where there is certain Premier Leagues, there is the possibility of certain players either coming from the professional game or going into the professional game. But when you're certainly playing 
second team cricket in in the second team league as we were then in North Wales before we moved into Shropshire in t late 2018. Then, late 2018, yes. That what's the point in that? You, 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 you don't want to go and people will be using you all the time. Where, unfortunately, from what my teammates, my club mates tell me, in North Wales, even at the level we were at, it wasn't as friendly as what it is in Shropshire. Shropshire, we, we are like, it's, it's, they're very, very friendly. They're very friendly. You go to like, we, we played a few new clubs teams last year because we were in a really nice league because of the, because of the, because of the pandemic, they put us into regionalised league and like, the higher leagues were halved and put into regionalised, but within regionalised within leagues, we played some teams that were three divisions, two to three divisions above us. But some of them, I really enjoyed these grounds because the, the people were just so lovely. They're so welcoming, and there's there's a club in my village because I'm from the same village as Robbie Savage, as I mentioned off air, and I can't imagine clubs in the vicinity of where I'm from, apart from Chirk who obviously we play on the other side of Rex, well, two play on the other side of Rex, so being as welcoming because it's, it's I think, it's just, it, it makes you, it make, you look forward to it. It's like when the first game after the pandemic happened, we played Ponsby Seconds at home. It was like only Christmas days had, had arrived at once. And it does look very much like the cricket season, both in England and Wales, is going to go ahead. And probably it will in Scotland as well on time which gives me a lot of hope and encouragement. But like with the vaccine, like we discussed with my mum, she would have had the vaccine well before now. She would have had the vaccine probably first couple of weeks of the year. So it's very poignant that, like I was discussing it on a walk with my sister today. You think just the first couple of, if she had just got through Christmas, my sister said today, I thought, you know what? So all your feelings you're saying now, I've had all these feelings. You read about the vaccine, you think, yeah, Ma would have probably had it by about middle of January. She's not going to have it. And she, 18th of December, she passed away later that, that night. And we knew she passed away two days before. And it's just, she was fighting till the very end, even though. But it was like, you do have very, it's very point. But then you, but then I always think about, I've got to say, I've adopted a saying off my strength and conditioning coach, Chris Hibbert. And it's, it's control the controllables. I had no control of my mother passing away, no control whatsoever. She had no control over it. No one did. Where I can just control my conduct in my life, my conduct, and that's all and that's all I can control is my conduct and the way I conduct myself and the way I behave. I found during this pandemic there's very little we are actually in control of. All the big decisions in life we've got no control over. No control of what's control over it whatsoever. Where you can make the best of it. And, and make adaptions. Like I've made so many adaptions I never ever thought I'd have to make. Not just the biggest one of all when my ma passed away, but like training remotely from the gym for nine of the last 12 months. Uh, just all this from home. And, and a lot of it you find it's a more sustainable, and, and, and it's also in the future about having a more sustainable lifestyle not for everyone. Like I know now, with the, with, with, even when the gym when the gym reopens for the third time, the, up to the final time it has to be open, is that my coach pro, has programmed me full sessions from home in my, my sister's gym next door that, that she that she redeveloped from the gar into the garage into a lovely gym, and it's a proper gym. It's all stuff that I got 
but they think she hasn't got is a pull-up bar, which I've got my pull-up bar in the front garden, and then she, she's got all the rest of the equipment, and only thing we can't do is like, oh, standing up and pressing like that because the scene is too, 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 too short, but then even when it's the warmer months, we've got astral turf, and even if Hibble's on holiday, Hibble's ill, some reason Melanie can't take me to the gym that day before I pass when, until the time I pass my driving test, or we have snow, then I can train home. So you, you learn to make these adoptions. And I've learned to look the, the beauty of the countryside near me in Moss Valley, and it's it's something I, 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 I'd forgotten about since the age of six. Ma used to take me on lovely walks there, and she used to point out to me, look there, mate, Mark Hughes, there's Mark Hughes' houses there. He's, he's redeveloping them. Because he's a property developer, was he, Mark? He's probably made more money from that than he did from his football. But he was developing houses. Some of the houses in Moss Valley are lovely. But like I say, I've, I've rediscovered all this and I've just found that, like with media interviews and so forth, like I class this as a media interview, that all this is, it's, it's the future. And even though the future is going to go back to a more routine, we should embrace certain aspects of this pandemic. Certain ones we don't really want. Like, I'd give anything to have my now back. I'd give anything for it to be back in that kitchen now, sitting in a chair. Once to have a brew in mid-afternoon. Do you want a brew, mate? Yeah, I'll have a brew. But that's not going to happen. So I've got to control what I can do. What well, the controller controllables, that's all I can do. So there's, there's been quite a few positives to the pandemic, <clears> but obviously there's been fair share negatives, like there's been with anyone, but... It's not all, it's not, and it's been not all been bad because I'm sure I'm sure we found that I don't know if, if any of you got into walking or something, but or or, or running or or training from home or just finding other other aspects from home, other aspects. But it's not been great for any of us. It could, it's not something we could do forever, but nothing we can do forever. So. What we might do now, Andrew, is just take a quick break. Um, what we're going to do is um, we're going to uh, we partner with the Lord's Taverners, um, and you're going to hear an advert from them now. The Lord's Taverners is the UK's leading youth cricket and disability sports charity. We break down barriers and empower disadvantaged and disabled young people to fulfil their potential and build life skills. Our cricket programmes support some of the most marginalised and at-risk young people in the UK, using sport and recreation to build links and encouraging groups to play sport together. We tackle issues such as knife crime, unemployment, radicalisation and also isolation, something we are all feeling right now. Last year, our programmes impacted the lives of more than 12,000 young people and, with your support, will help even more in the future. Find out more and make a donation at lordstaverners.org and help us to continue our life-changing work. Thank you. So, uh, welcome back, everybody. Andrew, um, I just want to ask you about um, so problems such as the undateable. So, we talked about this off-air uh, and I'm really interested, as I'm sure a lot of people will be, to get your opinion on whether that either does that either sensationalise autism or is it? Uh, and I already know the answer to this. Or, or do you think it drives positive awareness of, of uh, conditions well, such as autism? I think I, I explained to John on, on air that I had personal experience with that show, which personal experience with that show about three years ago, and I think. There's yeah, some nice people that work on that show, but yes, I think shows that are very much sensationalise it. Although, like, I, like, like I've said off air, I think it's certainly 
there's certainly misconceptions around with autism and other conditions. Like, I, I, I've been go, go going on dates since I didn't go on a date till 33 and I'm 36 now. I went on dates very often from October two, 2017 to March 2020. No, October 2018 to March 2020. Uh, and I found that I'm very much, I find with being the person I am, it's very diff. There will be a girl for me, I hope, when the pandemic is abated, whether that's June the 21st in England or not, or whether it's, whether it's a different time in Wales or whatever. But I still think that it's very much, there's people who don't have an emotional social disability, then there's people who are severely handicapped and... Have, have have severe difficulties. Then there's people in between. Then, then there's another section, people who are not necessarily representative of what I am. So they might might be a bit outrageous, a bit outrageous in, in their in their in other autism, but be a bit outrageous for, for use of a diplomatic term. Where and then there's possibly the third the third out of the fourth sector, possibly someone like myself and maybe other people. Like I found out just the last girl, I, well, the, the girl I dated longest for three months, that I, she, had, she had OCD. But I found that apart from the fact this particular girl was looking for a friendship at the end rather than probably a long-term relationship, the girl was actually very, quite the most compatible person I went out with for, th three, for three months because... I realised there were if there's that one particular girl, there's other girls like that somewhere in, in the in the northwest of England or North North Wales or whatever North Yorkshire, because there's other girls like that, and I realised that I'd always closed myself off to going out on, before this, going out with someone having a relationship with someone who's autistic and so forth, quite quite narrow-mindedly, I'd admit, because I had preconceptions myself which is what I'm trying to get away from ironically myself coincidentally ironically myself so I was having preconceptions about other well, well, girls who were autistic which was very harsh on them without, without actually realising that there are probably girls who are autistic out there who are probably compatible with me like one of my best mates Alid Rowlands a solicitor by day played in the Welsh Premier for over 10 years and I met you with Kevin Druitt when I followed Kevin Druitt home and away in the Welsh Premier in the late 90s and early part of the millennium. And him and my sister, Melanie, have been very steadfastly told me for at least 13 years, 14 years, if you ever go into a relationship, it would probably be with someone with autism. Well, I thought, autism, oh, I don't need that. Because I, I was always very used, like we discussed MUTV, I was already, always very used to being the only one who'd been diagnosed. None of my actual mates are autistic. One has OCD, but not a mate what a class me told us a big mate. But then I've found out that not just with men, with men but with, with, with lads, but with girls, there's probably a lot of girls out there and lads out there who are, let's just say, I think autism's an underdiagnosed condition, if I'm truthful. And I think there are these girls out there with autism, dyspraxia, OCD, like more my age, like I mean, they Black's here and she's 
high achieving. She has lots of mates. She's a very lovely girl. She obviously she's eighteen, but I'm not saying it that way. I'm just using her as a as as an example for her. She's eighteen years of age. She's got dyspraxia. She works with autistic youngsters. She's gone to a local university. She's getting ridiculously high grades in a, on a forensic science degree. And there's girls out... I didn't think that... There'll be girls that are autistic or more my age who are intelligent, are socially adept. That's the thing, socially adept, but articulate. Mm. And there are girls out there... There will be girls out there for me where I'd closed up to that, and that's what... And I think sometimes the preconceptions I had because a girl I dated for three months, it, no, it didn't work out, but I still, I didn't feel, I felt sad that it finished, but I felt happy for the experience it gave me yeah, because yeah. there was some rotten experience of dating before then. <clears throat> Even a couple of people I went on dating, they were autistic, but there were a couple, many, most, the well, vast majority of them weren't. And some of them were rotten experiences, absolutely rotten. I'll, I'll give you a few instances in a minute, but... But the, but the the preconceptions, I was wrong to have those preconceptions. Yeah, there will be girls out there. There will be. I don't really want to talk in the third person. There will be female versions of me out there who may not have exactly this. Like, like, be honest, if I'm going in the relationship, I'm not looking, oh, you must like cricket, you must like the gym. doesn't matter. doesn't matter. doesn't matter at all. doesn't bother me. You must like sport. It's just like, oh, you must vote the Labour Party. Or you must be left of centre. I'm not looking for all that. I'm looking for people who, who you can strike up a conversation with and sometimes someone who you you can support in different ways and but they can also give you a kick up the backside by telling you in a nice manner. And you met my in wife. Other ways. <laughs> she's always kicking me up the backside. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. But in a nice way, in a nice way, you need. To, you can tell people in a nice way. It's it's mutual. So yeah. there will be girls out there like that. But, but back to the point regarding my past experiences, which I don't want to end on a negative regard on this particular juncture of the show. I've been stood up four times. Uh, twice by twice by girls named Jackie, with different <laughs> spellings. Strike uh, them off. Twice Get by them off the girl. list. I know. Well, tell you that's not the end of it with Jackies. <laughs> once by a girl who, once, once by a girl, once by a girl, once by a girl who stood me up twice in the same week, and I was gullible. And there was another girl called Jackie, D- different spelling again, a third different spelling, <laughs> who claimed, who claimed she was ten years younger than she was. Who claimed she was ten years younger than what she was, lied about her name. So that wasn't good. But then, more to the more to more to the point. That was the worst one. I'll give you some of the really bad ones. Uh, I actually went my first date. The girl wouldn't even t- tell me her surname, and she just came across very bitter. But the thing is, the, uh, one girl who I had my first kiss with, who ran to be a Tory councillor in Flintshire, she, she it was quite an intense three weeks. This was, by the way, it was she. She decided to break up with me. I thought, fair enough, whatever. Do what you want, don't mind, it's up to you. Then the next day, her best mate from work texts me this big, long message. The, the girl isn't very happy, blah, blah, blah. She's very sad, she's heartbroken, this, that, and the other. And I'm, I'm volunteered at the time. I just go back to the car. She says, I'm like, wow. Then, 
Anyway, she texted me again on, on the, 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 the girl, not the girl who was the girl who was a neighbour, her, the actual girl who, who finished with me after three weeks. I remember this after three weeks, I remember. And she was my first guest, unfortunately, at the age of 30, at the age of, at the age of 34, 34. Anyway, the thing was, she she then texted me on WhatsApp, me. That one was up at six in the morning, but she knew I got up early. And then I thought, oh, I'll go off for that, most of them. And then I got back online dating again. I'd organised another date by then, but that one didn't work out either. But she, she, she was back on dating the site. And, not fair enough, she's okay. And then the next morning, I'm getting ready to watch a match in the motion premiere, but one of my best mates, Steve, one of my best mates was a, a, a former professional footballer, we've got cricket as well, Steve O'Shaun, manager there, but she's here, but and it was in the motion premiere, but they got, unfortunately, went down on points of the game last year. It's, uh, it's, I was getting ready to go watch Airbush UK Broughton versus Newtown. It's like mid-October 2019. And the girl, I get a couple of emails off this girl. Oh. Asking ask, proposing to me. So, proposing, that she's proposing to me. And it's like, well, I know, I know, I know, John, oh, proposing to me. I want to meet up with you so I can propose to you. So it's like, oh. Basically, I, I just... I got me mad to the thing. Unfortunately, she didn't ask for Lincoln. That was a weird three weeks. That's the weeks in my life I'll never get back On to slightly happier times. Um, you and I are obviously both both fans of the uh, the world's greatest football club, Manchester United, um, which is absolutely... Uh, I, I was over the moon when I found this out about you. Um, what was it like to work for them for 11 and a half years? Well, I'm a bit of a lapsed football fan now. Football does not... This ties into what I'm about to say. Uh, Manchester United Television, for the time I was there, was a separate organisation to Manchester United. They had very different ethoses. Uh, MUTV was a very creative environment. Manchester United was a very corporate environment. Uh, the MUTV office was based on Deansgate, by the Hilton, and back around the corner from where Granada Studios was before they moved to Media City, where, obviously, we had a studio on the ground. Uh, it was changing towards the end of my time there. Manchester United were basically taking over. They, they, they had a controlling share from about early 2013. They had a controlling share. Uh, no, no, they had, no, they had a controlling share from 2007, but they had a full share from 2013. But the thing is, Manchester United used to make life as hard as possible for MUTV as hard as possible because they didn't get us and we didn't get them. Like certain people at Manchester United would make the jobs for some of my mates as hard as possible and as but more positively, MUTV was a role that for eight years I really, really, really enjoyed. I met some of my best mates in the world there. I really did. And still even though some of them were the pandemic I most of them due to the pandemic I haven't met in over in a year. I was still in very close contact with lots of them, with about eight to a dozen of them. I'm, I'm, and I met my best mate there, who, who's been very, very good to me and my family. He's actually at my mother, my mother's funeral. Came all the way from Poynton in East Cheshire. And he was he was the one I met, I, I bonded over with county cricket. And, and it was a fantastic event. Like, like I said, off air to Jono, MUTV was the reason I, I ended up going to my only time abroad, and I only went for the day. 
It was for the 2009 European Cup final in Rome, the Barcelona one. We lost 2 0. Cristiano Aviero dos Santos, Ronaldo's last ever game for United, and Carlos Alberto Tevez is. Anyway. I love how you can remember this, this stuff. It absolutely blows my mind. It was my, it was my job. Anyway, the thing was, the year before for the Moscow, for Moscow, the day after the Barcelona win, when Skull scored that cracker of a goal, I got an email saying, I thought, I've misconstrued this. There's no way I could get free to, they're going to have free everything to go to Moscow. Turned out they did. Problem was, I did have a passport. Oh, so no. I, tried, I, tried, I, tried, I tried everything. I tried everything. I went to the passport Wonder. office and, and couldn't go to Moscow. But then I got a passport in August 2008 during the Olympics in Beijing. And then, anyway, it's a semi-final second leg against Arsenal. Ronaldo's just clouted in a big, massive free kick. I run upstairs. I'm watching the game with my nephew upstairs. My nephew would have been 12 at the time. He's, 20, he's 24 and a father now. And, uh, and anyway, I ran upstairs, got my passport, kissed it. was like, I'm going to Rome. So, really, I went to Rome and they paid for everything. Flight, match tickets, food, and even, for my, and even for my support work group. Obviously, was my at the time was my brother-in-law to go, and that was it was non-negotiable. My brother-in-law was if my brother-in-law didn't go, I didn't go. Well, my support workers, my brother-in-law, because they they they're very. And the thing is, then you TV, they're such an inclusive environment. But a lot of the my my close mate to a staff, a lot of them, didn't realise that my brother-in-law who was my support worker didn't actually work for MUTV. Some of them didn't really realise he worked for the Betty Collarwell the Health Board, but <laughs> but then. Like I say, but like I say, it was the first eight years were fantastic. But getting to what this podcast is about, the last three years, three and a half years, were I would say generally the longest period of unhappiness in my life. I was suspended. Wow. I was suspended for eleven weeks uh, from November twenty second, twenty twelve, to first of February twenty thirteen because there was a staff quiz, and I can say this now. Uh, it's not in my book, but I can say this. Uh, a European Cup winner from 1999, who was uh, summarised on the channel, David May, <laughs> was uh, at a staff quiz. And everyone knew everyone knew he was cheating. Everyone knew. Even the, even senior members of staff, including one who was on my team, knew he was cheating. Even, even, it was even told, I was even told he was cheating. And I don't like cheating in quizzes. don't like any of that. Especially, especially when you went, why, why would you do that? It's just, I'd rather finish last than do that. Finish last, get every question wrong. Because when I go to a quiz, if I don't know the question, I, I think I've, I've learned a piece of knowledge for next time now. It's something I can use in my, in my daily life. So it's team one. I wasn't too happy. I, I'm really well, looking to forward to, to this, to be, by the way. <laughs> I, I, I had to be... Uh, uh, how can I put it in a quite a diplomatic manner? I had to be uh, prevented from uh, grabbing his jumper, which I did actually grab his jumper, and he was shouting champion in my face. And I was suspended for 11 weeks, but generally, that time was a very bad time for me anyway with my mental health. It was terrible. I was behaving in a way that I was, I was making errors in my life, not drugs or alcohol or anything. I'm, I'm teetotal and I'm, I never touch drugs. Or smoking, none of that, but very much errors where I wasn't behaving myself. Uh, 
I was mistreating the family, I was mistreating certain mates as well. But the thing was, before then, I did stats for an ex-player's autobiography. And this ex-player, for some unknown reason, because he was cognizant I never had a relationship with my father, thought, he thought he was going to be my father. So that was very odd. And thought he could control me, this particular ex-player. So... Who's been in the news? Who's been in the news recently for good deeds? Supposedly good deeds, but uh, but uh, that was very odd. And 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 then he was a, this ex player was a big mate of mine at one point. He invited me to his house uh, to continue stats on his memoirs. Cooked me a mixed grill. Took me to the cinema to watch. Well, wanted with Angelina Jolie, James McAvoy, and Morgan Freeman, and. Uh, and well, I don't think it's that great to be honest. It was a good piece of escapism, but uh, <laughs> but uh, it was, it, it, I tell you what day it was. Two two day. It was the day Lancashire lost to Middlesex. David Malang announced his name as a player. It was it was a, it was a T Twenty quarter final, but it was at the Oval. And I think it was the week the week week after Spain beat Germany in the Euro two thousand eight final. Anyway, he and then he was a big mate of mine. This 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 ex player, and then suddenly. He'd, he'd ring me at morning, noon, and night. Let's he'd ring me morning, noon, and night, this ex-player. I mean, literally, he'd ring me six on if he'd ring me ten at night. And many's the time, he'd ring the house phone as well. And my used to answer and say, do you, do you mind, do you mind? He's in bed, he's in bed. So, and then suddenly, the call stopped. Because he th he didn't seem to want, like the fact that I didn't want him to control. So he's a, this person, this ex-player is very complex. But certain situations like that, and like changes in my, 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 the biggest change of all was looking back. That was my role change for being a broadcast statistic. Well, be, be doing the stats on all the all the all the team, all the guests on the channel, all the games that were on the channel, all the documentaries, to logging football matches. Like you think, watch a football match for ninety minutes. You think result, don't you? But when you're logging every what feels like every single clip, Wayne Rooney header on target, saved three star. It sort of kills football for me, and it did. Kill, unfortunately, it did kill football for me. Like one thing, in the in, in the in later on when the pandemic does a bit, I'll, I'll look forward to go watch local games in the Welsh League North or Welsh Premier. But my involvement with football is non-existent apart from that because it killed football for me. Logging those football matches, it really did. It was like oh, mind-numbing, terrible. One thing, but then on a positive note, I kept me in a job for an extra four, four and a half years. But uh, but then certainly when MUTV finished, moving on to another subject, the services cut all the support, and my brother-in-law unfortunately lost his job, and that created enormous stress on our family. But my sister decided that, she, that rather than me be on scrappy for life, she would continue my routine, and. I wanted to write my memoirs. Now I was prohibited by Manchester United, but not MUTV when I was when I was at MUTV because Manchester United weren't, weren't, didn't approve of it. They said you can't write your memoirs. You can write your memoirs on you don't mention Manchester United. One word of Manchester United, a bit difficult because Manchester United were my main interest growing up. Anyway, so ended up ended up that that didn't happen at that time. So MUTV. Didn't mind, but I think the book, the way my sister helped me with it regarding the feelings and emotions, and I'd say even at the time a little bit of the structure of the book, it turned out to be a far better piece of writing than what it would have been 
would have been if it had been hidden so that so she decided to help me decided to write a memoir and keep my what little routine in the day around it began the training which the training not better now because number one HSP was before it was opened and one HSP non-profit yeah anyway wrote, the, wrote my version of it which would have taken about nine months got such as some publishers the, the main publisher for autism turned me down I think but without actually reading it, reading any chapters, and others did. I remember my ma my ma had this big enormous publishers and authors book, society book, and you just go through them all, all the authors. And so she rang one literary age about six times, and uh, six times separate times I spoke to him, and forgot he got around to it because she went through all the names. Anyway, it got to uh, mid March. Then, then after that, we got into just some TV, TV and media companies, just to see what, just to see if I went on those, if a publisher would do it. A couple of them turned me down, but then my, my nephew came, my nephew Lewis came up with the idea. L O U I S Lewis came up with the idea that, Dad, why don't you get in touch with the Today program? Some of my lecturers listened to that in, in uni. I thought, I thought when she said that, oh, Today program, fair enough. My, 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 my godparents, it's not my auntie Shireen and my unfortunately late departed Uncle Jimbo listened to it. I thought, I didn't think much of it, I thought, fair enough. So it's, I, didn't, I didn't realize the enormity of how big a program it is and is and was. So, anyway, I was, I was, I was, I was my, my, my got in touch with them. I sent an email with all the standard stuff that I send when I'm trying to get on somewhere, like I did to yourself, your good selves, trying to sell myself, which is very good, I can always do. It doesn't always work, but if it works a lot some of the time, then it's worth it. But the thing was, I was went to watch 12 Angry Men in Salford with my nephew, production of that, on the way to that. I was in my what was then my favourite coffee shop in the middle of Manchester, Northern Quarter, which was then the Figgins Barrel. And I went to, and, and then I got for a phone call. Couldn't hear it because the, it was quite loud. It was like P-time. And it was a lady called Katie Inman. So... Went to the play, play at night. She agreed to ring me the next day. And we had a big, long half-an-hour chat. One thing led to another. And it was... They agreed to have me on the Today programme and record me. And they did this without any physical product, apart from a computer file, a computer file on, on my pen drive. Uh, wasn't a Kindle, wasn't anything. Just to, just looking at three chapters, three taster chapters, for John Humphreys to look at. Just for a bit of research, and there's no, there's no, no physical product, just a file on my computer. So I could have been anyone, couldn't I? Any charlatan. So I'm quite glad they could could, could gather from talking to me that I wasn't. So anyway, John Humphreys, when he recorded the interview, was in Maven's Court Park in his house in West London. I was in Glyndur University in Wrexham in the media industries department, and Katie and Manu was was mediating it, were mediating, getting it together, was a new broadcasting house. So I recorded that Easter Thursday 2015. I went out Easter Saturday 2015. Uh, by the Monday, I'd, I was invited to go on with Loose Women, but I tried, to, I tried to get them to record it, tried to get them to record it, but they wouldn't. But if it was now, I'd go, I'd, I'd go on it in an instant now. And I'm actually going to get in touch with them for World War. Well, it was aware this week, probably won't get, I well, certainly won't get on, but it's worth a punt. But, uh, then, nine days later, uh, MUTV received an unsolicited email, because I'd, I'd left by then, I'd been made redundant the exact year before, 
say a publisher called, called Benny Kearney based in Staffordshire. I was told I was told my best mate Sean was got in touch when I was volunteering at Brumbo. And I did my research on them and thought, okay, just see what they want. Uh, the test match was on the first test of the 2015 series, the one where Jimmy Anderson broke the record for most England test wickets. And Jason Holder, Jason Holder got 100, and Ian Bell got his last test 100. Joe Root got Chandler Paul out. And anyway, I was talking to the publisher, talking to the publisher, talking to the publisher. Oh, blinking out. Alistair Cook's just dragged out. Kim Arrow has got him out. He said Alistair Cook. Alistair Cook's done that a lot recently because he got two years out of Ted under that, that time. Until the third test that series. And he got consecutive hundreds. He got one in first test against New Zealand. Oh, what? And then, good news. And then, got talking. Oh, I don't need to. And got, 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 got talking. We agreed to meet up in Chester at a coffee shop called Cinderbox in Central Chester the following week. And this was exactly a year to the day that I'd been made redundant for Manchester United Television. And at a year, to, near enough, a year to the minute, I was made redundant. I signed a I signed a deal to sign my memoirs. So. Quite poignant that really. You know, for a year, a year to the minute, basically, or certainly a year to the hour, I signed a deal to sign my memoirs with Benny Kearney, Staffordshire-based publisher. The pub, the book has been, I think, what's been the good point about the book? Autism has been very much the selling point of it. I think some of my mates in MUTV, some of my co-workers in MUTV, would freely admit it. They thought Manchester United would be a bit more of a selling point, but it just clearly hasn't. And I think the biggest. Compliment to myself and my publisher is James Lumsden. My publisher is is that is that when people speak to me, they say to say when they're reading my memoirs or when they've bought it or they've come to me at like the conferences and so, local conferences and so on because I don't travel to do them. Is that it's very it's like the book reading the book is like I'm speaking to you now the way you. Your vernacular and your use of the English language, and I think that's a big compliment. Because, like, you, you've probably read cricketing autobiographies, like I have, and other sporting autobiographies, and you know, they ha they've the players written that, the goal sighters written that, players written that, goal sighters written that. Well, I think that's a very big compliment, that to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. So, so obviously, you've, you've, you're talking about the book now. Can you just give us a bit of a gist as to what the book's up to you telling us tell about your life and your memoirs? But just like, what, what's the book about? Obviously, your experiences and things like that. Well, it's called I've Got a Stat for You, My Life with Autism. It's just, it's giving an insight into my life experiences up until the age of the age of 30, when I'm 36 now. It's, it does need updating, but then there's no justifiable reason to update it. So it's sold over 1,100 copies. Uh, it's just generally about my life and my experiences and my my perception of it. Like the reason I excuse me, like the reason I decided to write it was I, I thought I'd live a moderately interesting life, and I thought I had I had the ability to articulate it despite my autism. So I thought I thought you know what? Why not? Why not? Why not? It's also been listed as one of the just, best autism books of all time. 
Well, that that, 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 web, that website, yeah, I saw that website. I saw that. I've got that cutting in my, I've got, I, 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 I avidly keep all my cuttings, ridiculously keep all my cuttings, avidly. And I don't think it's, I think that's just a very niche website, to put it mildly. So I take that with a pinch of salt, John. It's a very niche, it's a very niche website, that one, no disrespect. It's a very niche website. Like, yes, I've had some very good, well-known personalities put their weight behind it. There was someone off Sky Sports that liked it. The rugby union woke up like when they liked it. I was given a critique on it. Michael Atherton has got an email off Michael Atherton, uh, a lovely email off Michael Atherton from 2016, saying saying about my book and about me. And I used it as a I've used it as a as a testimonial. I got one Stuart Lee. Don't forget Stuart Lee, the writer and broadcaster. Robin, Robin Ince, and there's somebody. Yeah, but. I've probably gone out of my way to get some of these personalities in some ways, and some of them I haven't so much, but uh, because I just think it looks ostensibly, ostensibly very good in a slightly ostentatious manner. So, which is, but like I say, generally, it's something that I've enjoyed. But I think certainly now with Brumbo, I, I give like I say, give non-profit speeches, but we hopefully touch wood with Brumbo for certain issues, certain issues they've got there apart from, uh, beyond my three months I'm going to be hopefully starting in the next six weeks that that will be my long term future because yeah. like I've yeah. discussed my circumstances has changed quite a bit recently so in your book you talk about everything from the Simpsons to Buckingham Palace can you talk us through these two characters and then venues in, in, in particular Okay. Well, the Simpsons. I basically couldn't get out the. Ha- I wouldn't get out the house when I was when I was a teen teenager, then like twelve, because the Simpsons was all couldn't get out. Seen the episode fifty times before, but I couldn't. I couldn't get out. Just couldn't get out. So what? What used to, So if I couldn't get, I, I, I had to be back for the Simpsons. You guys, every, I had to be back for the Simpsons, even for the episode that was rerun all the time. So Matt and Mel, Melanie, my sister, got me to go out to a youth club and other places like Kevin Drew's training over time as a, as a supporter and taped it but they had to tape it otherwise unfortunately my autism I would have had a, I would I would have a meltdown which is I'm not proud of that I would have a meltdown if I hadn't taped so it, meant, it was like the most important thing ever the Simpsons must tape so and it was not proud of that but that's that was really typical of my autism at that time Buckingham Palace came about when I was I was invited. I, I gave a non-profit speech to a local youth club in the village of Sly, which 1985 World Snooker Champion Dennis Taylor lives currently lives, and uh, so I had some Premier League footballers from there as well, uh, Chris Armstrong, Terry Hennessy, but uh, uh, very much with it. It's very much very much a lady nominated me for the Welsh National Young Volunteer Award. I won that. In June 2008, Peterson hits 100 at, at Tembridge against uh, New Zealand. Tim Ambrose hit 50. Stuart Broder is made in Test 50. And the next day, Jimmy Anderson took the first seven wickets of the innings and was on for all 10. So it wasn't, and I went for a game of golf the next day. Not that I was not a big golfer. But the thing was, I won that award. Then I got an email, a couple of emails, off the Washington Council of Voluntary Organisations. Oh, this is spam, Lord rubbish. This being unlike me, I didn't pay much attention. I thought it was genuine spam. I think because it was the heading, the heading, the email heading was in capitals. 
So they they phoned the house. They phoned me. They phoned the house. Turned out I'd been invited to Buckingham Palace. I wasn't going to go, but my old boss at MUTV, who just left, goes, "Now then, you're not famous enough to know the Queen. You're going to Buckingham Palace. You're not Albert Finney. You're not Albert Finney. You're not famous enough to know the Queen." So I thought, "All oh, right, then I'll go." I mean, I got a picture up of me outside there with my sister. We're both a lot bigger, lot fit. Well, we're so much more fitter now. But it was a great experience. I'm not a royalist by any stretch of the imagination, but but you 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 realise over time you become more pragmatic about such matters. Where you realise that the amount of money they bring in to Britain is more than they usually take out statistically. I did some stats. I did some research on it, but. Certain matters, uh, there's there's a lot of stuff that's not so. But then you look, you you, you go to Buckingham Palace. People thought I was me and me and my sister, my brother-in-law were really important people. But I mean, just because we're outside Buckingham Palace, being invited in now, now generally, the amount of people they get got there outside of the pandemic, based outside the pandemic. On a daily basis, I thought it's just an incredible amount of tourism. Just no holiday, no holiday period, no weekends. Where I used to think a couple, of, quite a few people, tourists going to Old Trafford on on a on a on a weekday when I seen them on my lunch was quite a lot. But Buckingham Palace is hundreds, hundreds at a time, and you think, well, maybe this brings in quite a bit of money to Great Britain PLC. So you've talked quite a lot about um, your exercise, and obviously you've you've obviously worked incredibly hard over the past number of years on your exercise and your fitness and I know that it's helped you really overcome kind of some quite serious bouts of depression is something that um do you do, have you learned to manage the, your depression or your bouts of depression are there certain things that trigger it or is it still something that kind of occasionally creeps up on you I've learned to manage it a lot better John because certainly with the with the pandemic I've learned like I've discussed before What's in my control? Very little's in my control. Just control the controllables and control my conduct. Like I've gone 10 months without a, a record 10 months without an autistic meltdown, and that I'm proud of. Where being Amazing. honest, some of the biggest challenges, I think, not anything, some of the biggest challenges, never mind myself, but the entire worldwide society will have to face in that time. Mm. And I, I, and you think, you think what, 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 what's the point in getting all this anger out? What's the point? What's the point in it? You may as well trade. And cricket's on tomorrow. Well, look, look, look for small wins, small little wins. Make some little, little, little errands to do in a day. Train. Go for a walk with Melanie. Go for a walk with whoever. Because I've been able to go for walks as well with other people because on compassionate grounds. Because that's part of the regular the, the restrictions. And just concentrate on just small wins. That's all it is. Take it day by day, hour by hour. And I've also learned. That I, I can't wait to see all my all my mate. Oh well, I can't wait for routine to return. Yeah, yeah. But I go to gigs and so forth, and go to test matches. But I've also got to realise that there's other aspects of life that I hitherto didn't realise that I can enjoy. It's not yeah, bad yeah. just having an occasional night at home. It's not bad. Just chilling and enjoying my comp- own company from time to time, which I was never wanted to enjoy my own company. It was very much, it was very much. I had to be around people, which honestly, I would say I still am very much a people person, very sociable, very gregarious, very outgoing. But sometimes we all need that time to unwind 
even with my family living next door and where my ma lived here, just to think. You need that time to think. And like, what's helped with the melt? Not having meltdowns. So if someone's getting on my nerves in the family, someone's getting me down. Rather than letting the red mist totally descend over me, you just think, "Oh my goodness, got me do." Look at me! Look at me phone! Look at some cricket websites! <laughs> look at some cricket websites! Listen to BBC! Listen! To, listen to BBC Six Music, and then you actually forget what you're upset about. Mm. Usually, usually, or, or even just close your eyes for twenty minutes. Close my eyes for twenty minutes, and just doze for a bit on my bed. Just not even sleeping. Just a little bit of a cat nap, as I say. Yourself. Yeah, yeah. And, and but and I just think I just think generally with just getting time to think just think slow slow matters down slow matters down because you can go too fast where i certainly think with my depression or anxiety i've realized well what can i get wound up about what can i get anxious about if i we can know. overcome or money if I, if I can manage what the last year's done not just myself but yourselves and everyone else if i can manage that i can manage anything pretty much doesn't matter it's an amazing Doesn't way compare. to look at it. When you when you wrote a vision of exercise, obviously there are a lot of amazing people from the sporting world that obviously Sarah Taylor did the forward in it. Uh, you've had some, you know, wheelchair rugby league. I'd love to learn more about that. Absolutely fascinates me. Um, but it must have been a real amazing experience for you to engage with these people and for, for them to be so willing to engage with you and your story and what Andrew well, Edwards is, is about. Well, well. Yeah. Well, well, Joey Jones, who was the first Welsh footballer to win the European Cup, he was a fam was my ma was a friend was a he's been a family friend. Well, family friend with me, ma ma my ma before she passed away for over fifty years, because his wife Janice is from the villages. Their cousin that was down the road from me. There, uh, Janice's auntie used to live up the road when she was still alive, Mrs. Evans, and uh, passed away. She I mentioned all that, which is not good. But the thing was. Very much, and 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 I, and I wanted to tell Joey about my past away, but I thought he's not in the best of health and best of health, and you don't just ring someone up and say, Joey, me ma's passed away because I haven't been, I haven't heard up, got in touch in a while, so you don't want to do that. So what I thought, I'd get, I'd get his cousin to tell him, and he said he was really, really upset, and he's going to come to a commemorative event we're having for me ma that we're going to have when restrictions allow. Which obviously it looks like it's going to be sometime in the summer now, doesn't it? Even even in Wales, so which you'd assume we're going slower. So, but yeah, he was even family friend. He was, he, he was I've had quizzes with him, raising funds for some school and raised funds to kept when, when I was seven. That was a great, great quiz. Out of twenty questions out of twenty on the history of Manchester United when I was seven in the local pub, <laughs> which actually I walked past quite often now. And and the pub now is bubble. Tell you who else was there that night. That night, when it was that quiz, he just won the FA Youth Cup with United nineteen ninety two. Robbie Savage, because he's as I've probably mentioned, he's from the same village as me, and uh, and I think he got me signed ball, but unfortunately, man accidentally burned. I think. No, seriously, because the light. I think it was the light of the cabinet that we had reflected onto it. And that happened with my signed Mark Hughes Green United Green and Gold top from the one that United had from '93 to '94, and I think that happened with that one as well. So, but the thing was, <laughs> are I, you sure your mum just I, wasn't a massive I, Man United I, fan? 
No, she no, she did she did approve of my United of my of football. She'd approve of football. She in fact she loved football along with me. She sort of drifted out of football the same time I did because she couldn't she couldn't really stomach football after my after I was unhappy at MUTV. She couldn't really she, she lost love of football after that herself. She never went to one match in her entire life. That was Kevin Drew's Oslo Street Town. Walsh Premier match, boxing in 2002. No one knows off. He's tough. And, uh, <laughs> and it was uh, an interesting game. And I, and I was running after the referee at the end of the game. I was a bit feisty in those days. <laughs> and United lost, United, lost, we lost, United lost our first game on a boxing day 13 years that day when we lost to Middlesbrough at the Riverside 3 ball. First time we lost on, on boxing day in 13 years. The game before that was Villa 3 0, Villa Park 89, which you tend to lose to a lot of people in 1989 and early 1990. But like I say, like I say, with it, with, with it, with, with it, was just with, with basically with, with, with Joe, Joey and with other people in the book. Like they, one, one part I really enjoyed quite well, quite well, I quite enjoyed quite a lot. You can see the clips on my website. It's when I was. Uh, Mr. Hunter, oh, what's his name? Hunter, Hunter. Mr. Hunter, the uh, the 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 England visually impaired coach, Ross Hunter. That's it. Ross Hunter, the England visually impaired coach, was bowling to me in the nets at Edgbaston. Me and my nephew took a research trip, a direct train to New to Birmingham. By the direct train to Birmingham from Wrexham, and direct train to Cardiff, but not a direct train to Manchester or many many to Liverpool. Odd, but. So we so we took we we took a, we so we, we we basically we 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 took a research trip there October, early October, twenty seventeen, and I was bored of that. So it was just terrible. It's like I've learned these types of visually impaired goggles. One, you could see a little bit. One, the other one was the middle one. The one you just blur blackout completely. Yeah, and completely you had got a headache afterwards. But one thing I did notice with with that we're writing that, that, that vision of exercise was I had a bit of a quote unquote for use of a cliche term journey of writing with a book. I changed trainers, changed trainers, and one who we thought was a family friend, but was was basically trying to bully the three of us in the end, me, me my sister, and my ma, and not being very nice. And then I found number one HSP in Queens Ferry Flincher, a non profit gym, and very much. That was one of the best decisions I ever made. Where I was very much overweight before I went there, and it's one of the best things I've ever done because not only do people like me train, they've got a world, current Welsh national footballer Ryan Hedges trains there. Welsh national rugby league player Rhys Williams, who was who went viral before the pandemic because he looks like Mohamed Salah, Paralympic medalist trains there. And, she, and actually, heard my mother send a condolence card to me when my mum passed away. Most uh, trains there. A United Academy player trains there, and I can do more chin-ups than him. He plays for Wales in the 19s. <laughs> there's, 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 uh, yeah, his name's Yestin Hughes. He plays for United under. He's, he's an under-18 player. He plays. He plays for the. He plays for Wales in the 90s. I can do more chin-ups than him. Who else is there? Uh, Any uh, cricketers? Who else trains there? No, not really, because the thing is, in North Wales, Robbo. North Wales nowadays is not exactly a hotbed of cricket, unfortunately. North Wales League is a shadow of what it was in the 70s, 80s and 90s, where the book I wrote, I wrote 
research, the Rotom Rumble football and cricket, they were very much the dominant force in the 80s and 90s in cricket in North in Wales. Like in 80 and 84, Mark Wheel won the National Village Knockout, but they still weren't the best side even in Wrexham. Rumble were. And, uh, and, 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 like, and like Lords, they won it twice, but Brumble couldn't go in the National Village Knockout because the population of Brumble was too large. Because you have to have a population of 5,000 or less to go in the National Village Knockout. And Brumble was eight, between eight and 10,000 at least. And the current Glamorgan Limited Overs captain, David Lloyd, he, it's his family's club. His family's club, Brumble. He, he, he started his career there, played for the first from the age of 12. Made a century for the first in the North Wales Premier, and he's like fifteen. His da his dad is a former Premier League and FIFA referee, John Lloyd, from who, who, who was a who was a football league and Premier League referee in the, in the up until ninety six, and he he was a FIFA referee. Uh, his granddad, who unfortunately never met, played cricket for Brumbaugh and, and, and managed Wrexham against the Busby Babes in 1957 when Wrexham had their record attendance and it's very much the family club and there's other there's other families there but like I say my club very much now is Chirk where Chirk I would say we're not a performance club we're very much a community club and, I, and, and, I've, and like to bring you up to date perhaps this might be a good way to end the interview I don't know was very much I'm on the committee at Chirk now the general committee as, uh, as officer for diversity and Obviously, I can't do much in the role currently, but I've sent off for a grant for something or other from Sport Wales. Hopefully, we get it. But my intention regarding it is to involve more people from a Southern Asian background, more people with disabilities, especially autism, involved in the club, people who are non-male, whatever gender that is, non-binary, female, transgender, whatever, and just anyone, anyone from anyone from a lower social economic background, and I think because I think cricket, cricket, you'll probably agree from your experience, it does have or has had an inclusion problem, where you see like nine of the England Test side, for better or worse, coming from private schools. Well, that's not necessarily a private school salt because they've got the facilities, but that's not an reflective of. The British society, British demographic society, and I just want—I would like if just a couple of few people got the enjoyment I got from Church Cricket Club, I could share that with them in my role as officer of diversity. Like one of my ideas, I would—I want to get a Southern Asian inclusion evening where we serve all the halal food and have like a big, big, massive Southern Asian inclusion event and, and serve halal food. And that's something I want to do, and it's just we'll have to wait and see. But certainly, it's it's what it's what I want to. And I think I I, I like to see people getting from Church Cricket Club what I've got from them over the last three years because the support they've given me, not just me, me but even on the condolence card, they put my sister on it, Melanie, which which meant a lot really, meant a lot really, just to, not, not to think, well it's not just you that's lost someone, it's someone else quite dearly in your family that's lost someone very important, and I think that was quite nice for, 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 for the committee to put that on the, on the card, and, and like I say, the plaque on the ground, and like I say, the season looks like, touch wood, touch wood, it's going to start on time, either in Wales, well Wales, England and Scotland looks like whatever cricket league you're in is going to start on time, but like to get back to Robbo, number one, well cricket isn't really 
and North Wales thing. In the eighties, like I said, the time before was eighties and nineties, like like very much, like very much. If you want, if you'd like, to, I'm not saying this to toot my own hand, but certainly, if you'd like to know more information regarding certainly Bromwell, who was the top club in, in, in North Wales between the 80s and 90s. And Turk won the league one year, I think it was 83, I think. Or some one of my teammates will correct me by that. 83 or 81, 83 or 81. And to think we actually did that as a club, well before my time. It was an immensely impressive achievement because the standard there was very was was excellent in North Wales. Then you had some excellent overseas players. Franklin Stevenson played for Plum Plaiden. So did Collis King. Like even, but what the but the clubs I I've not actually been involved in because I wasn't really involved in Rob. I just wrote the book on on the history of the club. But certainly Turk have never had overseas. Brumbo only had one overseas, and another club. So, but the standard is nowhere near as good. That's why. Club, club, lot of the, I'd say the best clubs in North Wales, apart from one or two, probably play like North Apollo play in Merseyside, Corwin Bay play in the Merseyside League. Uh, and they're the top clubs in North Wales, but they don't play in the North Wales League. So, I mean, I, mean, I wouldn't necessarily say we would, I wouldn't necessarily, I, I, I'd certainly say we wouldn't win the North Wales Premier even now because we're the second tier in Stratfordshire. And when we, were in, when we were last in North Wales, we lost pretty much every game in 2018, but that was more reflective of the, the way we were that season. We've, we've grown a lot now at both levels. As, as, but certainly, I'd say we would certainly compete in the Premier for North Wales, but we don't want to be in North Wales, we want to be in Shropshire because the atmosphere is nice. And like I say, just as a joint, I think I'm looking forward to the season because the season, when the season does start, it's going to be like on my Christmas days. So although... With an added bit of poignancy this year, and like the club have also agreed to pay for, have also paid for black armbands for everyone to wear on the first to, to first game of the season, and I'm going to wear a black armband every game next season. So, and well, look, Andrew, you you you're a, you're a great, um, you know, your mum will be will be looking down on you, a very 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 proud lady. Um, you you. She won't because she's in the bedroom with her ashes and in the and in her bedroom until we put them in the front garden. So, to be honest, yeah, she probably she probably approve of that joke. To be honest, because that was the type of relationship we always had. We always had that relationship. But like I but like I say, I don't necessarily believe in that. Believe in that, but there's been a devout atheist. But uh, but certainly, yeah, I miss it every second of every day. But but. You, but you you got to control the controllables, and yeah, there have been some dark days. There are dark days in the last couple of months, but I like to say generally, as hard as 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 been, the family has got into a little bit of a routine. But you still feel clip clock, clip clock, clip clock, with a crutch is going to come in wherever we are. But anyway, so thank you so much for having me on, guys. Hello. I really really enjoyed it. Absolutely, Andrew, you, a pleasure. You're a, you're a wonderful wonderful man. Uh, you have the most wonderful mind that I've ever had the, the pleasure to come across. Just hearing you and Robbo and I and Eugene, we all keep looking at each other on the screen as you keep rolling off all these, like, you know, skulls scored yeah. that day. And, yeah. and these, these stats, it's just absolutely yeah. mind-blowing to, yeah. to, for you to have all this, like, knowledge. And honestly, to hear you speak for the last hour or so has been truly, truly exceptional for me and I'm sure the other two lads. And it's been an, our absolute pleasure Thank to have you on slogging it, talking to us. And look... Um, really interested and we, we hope we stay in touch and we, we hope that you have a great cricket season and want to know about all your successes and what have you and 
Um, you'll have to come back on one day and and talk us through it. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. Thanks, Andrew. Cheers, Andrew. Bye. Looking for a new cricket equipment partner for yourself or your club can sometimes be tricky. With so many options to choose from, how do you make the right choice? When you want quality, value and service, there really is only one place to start. For more than a decade, Woodstock Cricket have been producing award-winning, high-performance cricket bats from their Shropshire workshop. Matched with their classy soft goods, luggage and accessories, Woodstock Cricket really do tick all the boxes. Get in touch with Woodstock Cricket and find out why many loyal clubs, players and international customers can't be wrong at info at woodstockcricket.co.uk. 